Uh, under the heading of willing to go to any lengths, our speaker tonight spent three hours on the road driving up from San Diego, so please help me welcome Jerry. My name is Jerry, and I'm a compulsive overeater. Hi, Jerry. And um, it was not just me that got here. My, my, my person over here, Millie, my friend Millie, she did the driving. So that she did the too. Um, Okay, my story begins is before I was born. Before I was born, I really believed that God had decided that I was going to be a compulsive overeater. And uh, it was in my genes, and that's just the way it, it, it was going to be. And he, um, when he, when he um, made my genes and put them all together, he said, this person is going to be a compulsive overeater. She will either live a life of misery and dieting, or she will have the choice to, lead, to live a life of abstinence and being happy, joyous, and free. So when I was 29 years old, I got to choose the life of being happy, joyous, and free. Um, when I was, um, like I say, it was in my genes, and when I was six months old, they had me on a diet. Um, they had me on a diet of skim milk because I was a fat baby. Um, and in those days, they didn't do that, but they had me on a diet at six months. Uh, what I remember about my food, I think I was about three, um, and my mother took really, really good care of me because I wasn't supposed to do anything because I was an only child, and she took, you know, she went out of her way to have this wonderful child. Anyway, I was downstairs at my grandfather's house, and um, I got a ladder, and I climbed up to the cupboard, to get some bread, I hope it's okay if I mention that, bread and mayonnaise. And um, I then proceeded to eat, I don't know how many pieces, a lot, four, four or five pieces of bread. And I, I mean, I, what did I know? At three years old, people don't know how to cook. People shouldn't, kids should not be getting on, uh, on a ladder to, uh, to, um, um, to climb up there. I don't know how in the heck it got in my head. So when my mother came down and found me, she had a fit. She said, what are you doing up here and blah, 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 and how, how, how many pieces did you eat? And to me, it was only four. And I got in really bad trouble for that. And you know what? When I was in trouble, all I could think of was, but I want another piece. I didn't care about being in trouble. I just wanted another piece, and I was heartbroken because I hadn't had enough yet. So that's one of my first recollections of eating compulsively. And uh, then later on, I remember when I was about nine years old, I overate on tomatoes, and I got a rash all over, and, uh, you know, because I just couldn't, there was never enough, whether it was tomatoes or bread and butter or whatever it was, mayonnaise. Um, when I was nine years old, my mother took me to the doctor, and they put me on diet pills. And that was to begin the 20-year cycle of diet, I call it the diet pill cycle on and then off. What happened with taking those diet pills when I was nine years old is I got a glimpse of how wonderful it was to be thin. You know, people applauded me and told me, oh, you're so cute and all this stuff. And I liked it. But then, of course, I would stop taking the diet pills if I wanted to eat, and they didn't work after a certain amount of time. And so then, of course, I would go back and gain weight and be heartbroken. And then course, then I'd go back and get more diet pills. 
and that's the way. And anyone who's taken that pills knows that, that syndrome, back and forth, back and forth. Um, when I was in um, high school, I um, developed tachycardia and high blood pressure. And that was back to the diet pills and not diet pills and all this and begging the doctors for diet pills. And um, I was very maladjusted. Not only did I have the physical addiction, but like in the big book it says we are maladjusted to life. I was also maladjusted to the world of boys and girls. You know, that's when I really started to uh, become very shy and shell up because I was never the center of attention. And that's all I really wanted because I was the center of attention to my parents. I was an only child. And when I got there out in high school, I wasn't. I wasn't the center of attention, and that was a big blow to my ego. Um, I didn't find out later until I came to this program that that's just the way it is. So anyway, in high school, you know, I couldn't take regular gym. I had to take adapted gym because of this heart I had. And um, I remember um, the, telling the gym teacher, please don't put adapted gym on my report card because then people will know. And I don't want them to know I'm taking adapted gym. And so sometimes she'd be nice and she wouldn't put it on. Then other times she goes, no, no, I have to put it on. And she'd underline it. And then if, I, if anyone asked to see my report card, they'd know. And they'd say, why are you taking adapted gym? Then I have to go to say I had a bad heart and high blood pressure. And, um, you know, that was not pleasant. I already felt like a weirdo. And then to have the high blood pressure, then, then have to take adapted gym. Then you're really a nerd in high school. So there I was up there laying out in the sun with the other nerds. Um, but um, when I was, I think I was 19, I was going to this place called the Cinnamon Cinder in San Diego, and that's where all the sailors came, and um, that's where I met my um, soon-to-be husband then. And um, I got married after two years, and that was another time where I became even more maladjusted to life. He was maladjusted, and I was maladjusted, and it did not make for a happy marriage. Um, <laughs> And I was uh, maladjusted, and I lived in total fear and jealousy. That was the way that relationship went. You know, I didn't want him to go down the street because somebody might snatch him away from me. And that's really funny because when it came time to getting a divorce, I couldn't get rid of him. You know? <laughs> but at that time, I really believed, I really believed that, um, you know, everybody was after him. Um, it was just me. Anyway, um, so that was, that was the way the, the marriage was, and, and I was maladjusted and maladjusted and maladjusted. Um, and I didn't have a way out. Um, then, after two years, I got pregnant. And, you know, when they asked me to do this meeting, I chose July 14th um, because that is the closest day to my daughter's birthday. She was born on July 16th. Because I, I always remember that day, of course, it's her birthday, but I always remember that, that time frame. That's because I was pregnant. I was, um, for the past two or three months, I had toxemia because my weight had gone up to 180 pounds. To me, for me, that's a lot because I'm only 4 foot 10. And... Um, um, I was puffy. I had to stay in bed the whole last three months of my pregnancy. And um, they told me that um, I couldn't go to my shower. There was nothing I could do except have some lettuce and a piece of meat. And my life was miserable. It was just, and I remember looking at the TV and feeling miserable. Um, 
because I couldn't do anything. Um, so, um, and, and that pregnancy, I had right before she was to be delivered, went to the doctor, and I asked the doctor. He says, we're going to have to put you in the hospital because we don't, I don't feel the kick. And um, I didn't feel the kick either. Um, so I remember before I went to the hospital, laying on the bed and crying and crying and crying, just laying on the bed because I was scared. I was scared because this was my unborn child that I wanted. And um, I wasn't sure. And I knew it was my fault because, yeah, I wasn't supposed to eat for those three months, but I did. Um, you know, so um, I was really afraid that um, that I was that I had lost her. So I went to the hospital. Um, they had to induce labor. They had to do a C-section. And when they did the C-section, it didn't take. It didn't take. And they had to. Um, I, I don't. I really still don't understand what they do for a C-section. But I think they pull your body apart. Anyway, that's what it felt like. That's what it felt like. And I felt it because the, um, the needle didn't work. They couldn't get through the fat. And um, I didn't know that until after, and after the operation. I said, why did it hurt? She goes, well, I couldn't find your spine because of all the fat there. And um, anyway, when she was born, she weighed four pounds. They said if they would have waited two more um, if they would have waited a few more days, that she would have died because she had already started to lose weight. And to me, that just shows me that our disease is just as serious as that of the alcoholic. They could kill because of the alcohol and drunk driving and whatever else they could kill from, but we can too. And this disease is just as serious as that of the alcoholic. So, um, you know, then, you know, I, 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 I don't know if I lost the weight. I went back to the doctor for diet pills and all that kind of stuff. And then uh, I, had, I got pregnant after two more years. And uh, they told me you most likely will not get toxemia again. But I did. Uh, something about being pregnant told me, God, nobody can tell. Nobody can tell if you gain weight because you're supposed to. So um, that was like a free-for-all. So anyway, I did it twice. Um, and the second one, she came off. I mean, they're both fine. Um, by the grace of God. They say God takes care of drunks. Well, God takes care of compulsive readers too. And their kids, when, they, when God wants And I always say God really wanted her to be born. Because um, she's, she's okay. Um, Health-wise. <laughs> um, uh, during that period of time, I also went to join Take Off Pounds Sensibly. Tops. I don't know how many people have heard of that, but that was in the olden days. I don't even know if it still exists. But in the olden days, that was, uh, you're supposed to do it sensibly. And, you know, that is so funny, you know, because the way we used to eat after the meetings. Um, I don't know how sensible it was. Um, but anyway, um, however, when I did go to the TOPS meetings, I would always go home, and on the way home, I would eat either way. I was going to eat to celebrate if I had lost, or I or was going to eat because, oh, well, I've got till next Tuesday anyway, so I might as well eat now if I had gained. Uh, but they were, I was always going to stop at the store and eat. 
Okay, but, and I think I belonged to Tops, I don't know, maybe five, six, seven years. It was, it was quite a while. In Tops, this was my Ebby. There was a lady in there, and she could not lose uh, weight in Tops. Well, n- none of us could, but we have little spurts here and there. <laughs> and uh, she was someone that couldn't weigh on the regular schedule, on, uh, on the regular scale. And um, she decided that, you know, Tops wasn't for her. So she, was, she, she came to Overeaters Anonymous. When she came back to the meeting to tell us the great tidings, just like Ebby told Bill, um, that's, I listened. Because she had lost 50 pounds coming to OA. And I thought she was hopeless. So um, I wanted to come to Overeaters Anonymous after that because the diet pills weren't working and Tops wasn't working and there wasn't anything that was working anymore. So... Um, I kept asking my friends in Tufts, oh, let's go to that Overeaters Anonymous because look at look what happened to Evelyn. She, she lost the weight. And, um, um, oh, we don't want to go because I heard there are a bunch of holy rollers or, or religious fanatics and all this kind of stuff. And I said, well, I don't know. Uh, I was just so desperate. So I did come to my first Overeaters Anonymous meeting. And that's why. It was Evelyn. It was Evelyn that led me here. And, um, you know, uh, God, through Evelyn, you know, he was, she was the flimsy reed. Um, what happened at my first meeting, what happened, it, it, now looking back, it's, it, there was a presence. There was a presence there at my first meeting, and it was the presence of God. And it was the presence of God that was in the people there. When they got up and shared, they talked about um, Losing weight. And they had lost lots of weight. There were people that lost, you know, 100 pounds. And I saw these people up on the podium. And it was small in San Diego those days, but to me it was big. And um, I remember thinking, wow, I never knew anyone that lost 100 pounds, except for I would read about people in magazines. But I myself never knew anyone personally that had lost that amount of weight. So I was really impressed. But I still didn't think it would work for me. I thought that uh, it would just work for them and that it might not work for me because I didn't have 100 pounds to lose. Um, I, I don't know how much I weighed at that time. Maybe 150, maybe 160. <clears throat> I used to have a little thing that would, I'd get on the scale every single day and, you know, one half, 131 and one half, 132 and three-fourths or whatever it was, you know, all that weighing back and forth and back and forth and it was like a zigzag. Um, and uh, so I don't know exactly how much I weighed when I came in here, um, but my top weight was 180. And that's when the baby, that's with the baby, and I, she only weighed four pounds. So, I mean, I say that, you know, my top weight was 180, but, I, but she only weighed four pounds. But when I came in, I was over 150. Um, and when, um, so I went home, and that night something happened. Something clicked. I didn't go home and eat, which I have always done. Always, always. I always did that after the TOPS meeting. I just didn't, I didn't, I don't know, I didn't get the, I think I stopped at the store to buy something for my kids, like they really wanted it. But, um, and they did. Um, But I didn't eat it. So the next morning, I remember my, my husband at the time asking me what happened at that meeting. And I said, it was wonderful. 
it, it was, it, and I couldn't even explain it to him. But something changed, and he saw it change too. And um, so, you know, I didn't abstain, of course, right away. I didn't know anything about it. Um, I was just impressed at that meeting, that atmosphere. So I um, went to, um, so I went again the next, and there was only one meeting in San Diego at that time. Um, so I went the next week. And I remember walking outside with someone, and I said, God, they keep saying to find a sponsor. How do you do that? You know, I thought finding a sponsor meant that you're asking them to go around with you. I didn't know that. I mean, I really didn't know what a sponsor was. She goes, oh, she goes, well, you can call me if you want. So I did, and she became my first sponsor. She said, call me tomorrow. And um, I thought, mm, all right. So I called her. I didn't know why. I don't know why it was. They made such a big deal about calling. Um, but I did. And I remember coming home from somewhere because I was always going like a chicken without its head with my two kids and the dog. Um, and I remember coming home, having to untie the dog, and then having to call her too. And she was, are you having a hard time? I said, no. No, I'm fine. Well, anyway, what she ended up telling me to do is she ended up telling me to get a scale and to get the gray sheet and to get a scale and to start weighing and measuring my food. She told me to get the big book. And she told me to write. And uh, I did. I did all of those things. Because she had lost 80 pounds. And I never knew anyone, personally, that had lost 80 pounds. So I, you know, and, and you know, when I read that gray sheet, it said we ran measure our food. And we refrained from alcoholic beverages. And um, I thought, I cannot weigh and measure my food. Um, that was 31, over 31 years ago. Um, I can't do that because that's what weirdos do or those fanatic people, like the people in tops who were busy losing weight. Um, and I hated them. I hated those people. Um, but anyway, she told me to get a scale, and she told me to get the big book, and I did. And uh, she told me to write my food down every day. And I didn't understand any of these things, but I did it anyway. So, um, I remember how I used to weigh and measure my food. Um, it was as honest as I could be. First of all, I stuffed the cups, <laughs> and then I would get on the floor on my knees to see if I could get more of the stuff on the scale. And, um, you know, that was the way I, I did it in those days, um, um, and now I don't do that. Um, but I do have to admit, someone bought me one of those newer kind of scales that are digital, and, uh, I mean, because I still weigh and measure my food at home. Um, they uh, got me a digital, and it's, it's exact to the eighth. <laughs> to the eighth. And so I started doing it. You know what? I wasn't getting very much. I thought, I'm going to go back to my own scale. <laughs> oh, but then you're not being rigorously honest, you know, I tell myself. And then, I mean, I thought I was hungry. You know, that eighth was mattering to me. And... Um, so finally, it was just juggling around. You know what? I'm putting this away. I, I can't be that honest. Maybe in 10 years, I'll be that honest, and I'll bring it out again, and I'll be one more eighth honest than I am now. But um, so anyway, that was the way. But I did everything that she told me to do, you know, and I did it because she had lost 80 pounds. And when I came in, there were a lot of people in there. and I don't know what they called them. They must have called them gray sheet Nazis. Um, uh, yeah, I think they did. Well, actually, I had a sponsor. Um, I had, did have a food sponsor, and she was a gray, she gray sheet Nazi. 
and uh, very, very strict, very, very rigid. And you know what? That's what I needed at, for me at that time. And maybe I wouldn't be able to, to take it now, but at that time, that's what I needed. My mother was very strict and rigid and told me everything to do. And my mother had just died a week before, I mean not a week, my mother had just died a year before, nine months before I came in this program. And I was looking for a mother to tell me what to do. So I did find the perfect sponsor. She was really good at that, telling me what to do. So I did it. Um, And what happened was that I really didn't think this program could work. I didn't think that I thought there was something wrong with me because I knew I could not lose weight. And after two weeks of the gray sheet, I got on the scale. I wasn't supposed to, but I got on the scale and I had lost seven pounds. And so I kept coming back, even though I knew it wasn't going to last. And even though seven pounds still wasn't enough, you know, it still wasn't enough. But it was better than, I mean, because I was eating a lot, you know. I was eating uh, all this, I mean, it was a lot. That weight and measured whatever it was. Because I, I had never sat down to have a meal before. I had always picked gradually all day long. So I always felt too guilty to eat. So anyway, but now I had to eat. I had to sit down and eat. Um, so anyway, I was, that kept me coming back. The weight loss kept me coming back. Um, and to write my food. I continued to write my food for many, many years after that. The one thing that I remember hearing that I was deathly afraid of was you don't want to take the first bite. You may never get it back. We heard that over and over and over again at meetings. And by the time I had been abstaining for a while... I was very happy, joyous, and free, and I was afraid. I didn't want to take that first bite, so I did whatever it took so that I could continue to abstain. Um, there's, um, I go to this Buddhist monastery in Escondido, and there's a story about a fish, and the fish has the hook, I mean, the the hook comes out with this little thing and and the fish, you know, bites it. And that, to me, is what the first bite is like. You know, I may die if I take that first bite. You know, just like a fish. Maybe, maybe there, maybe there's something, maybe I wouldn't. But I just might. So I still hold on to that. And you know what? I'm afraid of food because it's cunning, baffling, and powerful. And no matter how long I abstain, I'm never going to be cured. The big book says we will never grow new legs. There's even a story in there about a man who had been sober for 25 years, and then off came his, his carpet slip, his carpet and, and all that kind of, and within five years he was dead. And he had been sober for uh, 25 years. And then there's something in our book that says something about, you know, we cannot go back out and eat. Because, you know, it, we just can't. Well, we can if we want to die. Um, okay, so I was in this program and had lost the weight, and I was really happy uh, because for the first time in my life, I weighed a half-decent weight. Uh, I never thought it was possible for me to lose weight, and I did. Um, I was in, you know, they say, how, if we believe in God, well, you know, God had to prove himself first. 
because I had to abstain for more than three days in order for me to keep coming back? God had to show me those three days that something different was happening here. And I used to save a stash of diet pills because they were my higher power and I never thought I would lose weight without them. But when I came in here, they told me, you don't need diet pills. And so I didn't take them. But I didn't think to, um, I mean, I still had them up there just in case, just in case. And I think I was in here for between three and six, I don't know if it was three months or six months. I don't remember. But um, I threw them away. I threw them down the toilet. And I think that's when I made the decision to let God do for me, to continue to do for me what I couldn't do for myself. That is, you know, there's a, a, a story um, called Charlotte's Web. I'm a teacher. So there's a story called Charlotte's Web. And I remember there's one where the goslings are telling the pig, Wilbur, that he's going to die. They're going to make him into bacon. And they have this open, this open fence there. And he's looking at freedom. And freedom is over there. And then he looks at the slop. And it's really pulling him there. And you know what? That's the way I feel about my life. When I came in here, this was my choice. I could either come into here, into freedom, or I could go back to the slop. And um, because of the people in here, I chose freedom. Freedom is, vi- <coughs> is very, very important to me. Um, what, what, has my, what has my life been like um, since I've been in the program? Um, let's see. It's been happy. Um, when I came in, I didn't think I could get a job. That was something other, I, not only could I not lose weight, but I thought, I, I thought there was something wrong with me, because everybody else had a job. But there was something wrong with me, because I thought I couldn't get a job. Well, when my kids went to school, um, I did get a job. I got a job cleaning toilets in an old folks' home. And um, that gave me a start. I liked making that little bit of money, and um, I, I was happy. I was abstinent, and I was happy. Um, so I, um, I got that job, and then after, uh, I don't know how long I did that, maybe six months, then at my daughter's school, because by this time my daughter was in kindergarten, they needed teacher's aides there. And so um, I went and took the test, and I became a teacher's aide. And then they said, you have to go to school. You have to take six units. And um, so, okay, in order to be a teacher's aide, I was going to take six units. Well, what, en- what ended up happening is that I went back to school. I finally quit the teaching, the, the aid job, and I went back to school always with program first, first and foremost. You know, I could go to school. I could do a lot of things, but always, 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 first things first. So I... Um, I um, um, I, I went back to school. I, it took me eight years. It took me eight years to get a bachelor's degree. But I did it. I figured, what's the difference? Where else am I going to be doing in eight years? And because uh, I, I was raising my kids, you know, and raising a husband. And uh, um, um, I'm not going to say anything else about that. But... Um, um, uh, so anyway, after eight years, I, I got that degree. 
Then I did, I went to student teaching for another year. Then I got, it took me two years of substitute teaching before I got a contract. And I've been doing that for um, 19, 20 years. When I was 50, I went back to get my master's. And like I say, I've been working now. Someone who thought they couldn't work. Someone who's a shrinking violet. Uh, someone who thought they couldn't lose weight because of the power in this program, I was able to, I mean, now I work. Now I'm just counting the years to retire. <laughs> um, and it is all because of OA. You know, there's no doubt in my mind I would not have the life I have today if it was not for this program. Um, I get to live, because of OA, I get to li- live a life that is beyond my wildest dreams. I only dreamed of that. That was the name of our convention in San Diego, and I would write about it on the loop, on the, on the listserv that OA has. Every week we're talking about beyond our wildest dreams. But it's true. That is exactly true what this program has given me. It has given me a life of freedom, freedom from... Compulsive overeating, freedom from being on diets. If I look back at my past life, uh, when I was living with the living dead, uh, when I look back at that, I just think, God, it was so miserable to be on a diet all the time, and then off a diet, and on a diet, and on and on and on and on like that. And that's the way my whole life would have been. Maybe. I mean, I don't know if I ever would have continued dieting. I'm sure I would have given up sometime. And so I don't have to live that way. I never have to be on a diet anymore. Um, And uh, someone had asked me, um, how do you um, keep from taking the first bite? Well, I can tell you what I've done for the past 31 years. I've read the big book. I've read our book. I've called the sponsor. I've gone to meetings. I've done service. I've written, I've um, done everything that the tools tell me to do. Uh, And I guess that's why I've been abstinent for over 31 years. That must have something to do with it. Uh, By the grace of God. I'm sure, you know, God does have the the whole thing. I mean, it is on account of God. Um, When I think of, uh, and I get to be healthy. You know, I get to be healthy. Uh, like I say, when I was in high school, I had this bad heart. I had high blood pressure. And now um, I turned 61, um, well, this year. And um, uh, I, it, one of the things that I teach is um, the body and all this kind of stuff. Well, the Heart Association gives us some uh, stethoscopes. And so uh, uh, I, I, I love to listen to my heart. And when I was six, the, the day I was 61, I had already listened to it. But it was such a neat experience to be able to hear my heart beat. You know, and I went to bed with the, with the stethoscope on my heart. I went, God, yes, it beats. You know, I didn't really know that it beat. I saw it beating on TV and I saw other things like that. But I actually have a heart that's healthy. You know, I do have a healthy heart uh, for today. So I am so grateful. And because I'm healthy, I get to do the things that I only dreamed of doing. I get to ride my bike. Uh, and I ride it to, bike, to work maybe a couple times a week when it's good weather. And that's 14 miles in addition to working. Um, I'm able to dance. I, I do a lot of salsa dancing and any kind of dancing. So I get to dance. 
I get to do yoga, and um, I just get to be very, very healthy because I eat right and because of this program. And I'm so grateful for that. Um, um, when I, I was, and you know, I have to work the steps um, each each week, each day, whenever things go wrong. Um, this week I had to do a fear inventory on speaking because I was very nervous about coming here to speak. So I wrote in the fear column what my fear is. Okay, speaking. Why are you afraid of it? I'm afraid I'm going to be a failure. Why are you afraid you're going to be a failure? And I followed this through. Uh, why are you afraid you're going to be a failure? I'm afraid I'm going to be a failure because people are going to think I'm a dud. Why are you a dud? Because when I was in grammar school, I thought people thought I was a dud. I was shy and I was fat and I thought people thought I was a dud. So um, I said, well, uh, is that true now? Are you still a dud? That's what I'm afraid of. I'm afraid that I'm still a dud. And how can I be a dud with this program? No one that works this program with God. I mean, in other words, I'm saying that this program is a dud. In other words, I'm saying that God's a dud. You know, I, it's not. God's not a dud. Therefore, I am not a dud either because I work God in my daily life. So um, I, once I got down to that, to that, you know, I was able to not be that scared, although I still am. Um, um, and today, I, I look back and I am so grateful. Grateful for, you know, um, the way God works in our lives. Back in 1938, there was this thing. This thing uh, there was Dr. Young, Dr. Silkworth, um, Somebody named Roland that told Ebby about these Oxford groups, and then Ebby told Bill about the uh, about the Oxford groups, and then Bill went to the Oxford groups, got sober, and went to meet Dr. Bob. He had that spark, that spark, and carried the message. But he knew, <clears throat> he said, yeah, in the book it says he knew it wouldn't carry through for uh, alcoholics you know, because uh, it was a Christian thing. And um, so he made it for alcoholics. I'm so grateful for that. But I would never have gone to an AA meeting to lose weight. God put Roseanne for us. That is how, and I am so grateful for Roseanne. She, you know, the, the GA and... Um, uh, and, and, all, and, and how she felt at home and not alone, same thing. But I would never have gone to an AA meeting. Uh, I had to know about me. And uh, even though I read the big book and that's the foundation of my program, I never would have gone to an AA meeting to lose weight. So I am so grateful for Roseanne and that spark and the spark that she had to carry the message and uh, to get OA started. And, um, 
you know, um, and, and that spark, there's so, there's, I, and I'm just one. I'm just one person who's had this whole, this, that can be a part of the, the miracle, a way, my whole life has changed. You know, 360 degrees, and I'm not a math person, um, but 360 degrees, my life has changed. Um, there's not the same people in my life that there were 31 years ago. Uh, I live alone at home with my cat, and, um, you know, I am very happy. Um, and I get to feel the presence of God. I get to feel the presence of God here. Uh, at school, I'm, um, I'm in charge of the science, fifth grade uh, science program for the, all the fifth graders. And um, I get to learn about God through science. Um, I had to teach, you know, the cells and all that kind of stuff and, and how we eat and how important it is and how it gets into our cells. And it's just real important to eat right. Um, and I was like, God, look at, look at the way the cells work, the way everything works. And this is only fifth grade. And then I got to teach about the solar system, or I get to teach about the solar system. Solar system is God. You know, my sponsor sent me um, a picture from the Hubble. And you see these magnificent, magnificent things of God just expanding and expanding and expanding. And that's the way the universe is. And that's, that's what God is. You know, and it's, it's just so amazing to me the way God works. Starting with us and going way out into the universe. Um, it's just uh, phenomenal the way God works. Um, when, I, um, when I look back at my life, now that I'm getting... Um, a little older. Um, and I don't like getting old. You know, I look in the mirror and I think, oh, God. Um, when I look back at my life, there are certain periods in my life where I've either seen a movie or read a book that reminds me of that period in my life. And when I look back at um, before program, what I, the kind of life I led was the undead and a life of lower than mediocrity. But that was my life. And I think of Dracula, because that's where they talk about the undead or the living dead. I don't remember which one it is. But that's the way I lived. I was alive, but I wasn't um, living. Then I have the picture of uh, Charlotte's Whip. And, okay, here's the way. You can either have freedom or you can go for the slop. And um, th that, to me, was the turning point in my life. That's when I took, God, I, I took the choice God gave me, and I came to this program. Uh, and then um, there's this one um, movie about the last penguin, or not the last, I'm thinking on the last penguin, um, uh, The March of the Penguins. Uh, the March of the Penguins, I don't know how they can continue to survive. But they hold together, and they hold together in all that cold. And that just reminds me of us. That reminds me of us. And this is the way my life is with all of us. Um, there's also a book called Jonathan Siegel. And I remember, he, he wanted to go higher. He didn't want to stay down there with all the other seagulls um, squabbling over food. You know, and if I, if I go back out there, I squabble over food uh, just like I did when I first came in. And I don't want to live that way. Really? Wow. Uh, um, and um, I don't have my glasses. Um, the one thing that I always want to remember is to be vigilant about not taking that first bite because 
food is cunning, baffling, and powerful. And it is a matter of life and death that I don't take that first bite. Uh, that, that's, I'm, I'm done. Um, so I can say that my name is Jerry. I'm a compulsive overeater who is very grateful to be a part of this program and who um, I have been abstaining for over 31 years by the grace of God and all of you. Thank you. Oh, okay, I thought I was supposed to be done in five minutes. Okay, so does anyone have any questions? Yes. Okay, um, how I work step 11. Step 11, I'm working on that right now, actually. Um, I like to uh, go to a, well, I, I work it every day right now, and it's changed. It's changed. Before, I used to just sit down, and I would read something from a, a, a meditation book. It was 24 hours a day in those days, the AA 24 hours a day, and I would think about that. That's how I started, and I started maybe about 15 minutes. Then... Uh, my meditation has changed over the years. Um, for a long time, I would um, do the Shirley MacLaine where you feel the chakras going through you and all that. And uh, then I, um, I, I do go to self-realization in San Diego, and that's where you sit and you, you do, there's some chants, and you do the meditation. Like last night, I was there for an hour and a half. So I, I do meditation that way. Plus, in the morning, uh, because I go to the Buddhist monastery, uh, we do mindful, mindful walking. And I do a mindful walk with my cat uh, in the morning, you know. And uh, he doesn't go out in the canyon unless he's with me. So um, that's pretty much the way I meditate today. And it's evolved, it's, it's, you know, and it's always changing. Uh-huh. Can you talk about taking things one day? Okay, um, I can give you an example of when I didn't take one day at a time. Um, I, I need a washer, and um, I've been living a lot of financial insecurity um, this summer. I don't know why. I just decided I had something. I needed something to worry about, so I decided to worry about my finances. And um, so I needed a washer, but uh, so in case it breaks because it's probably going to break sometime, and once I start going back to work, I don't have time to go look for a washer. So um, then I went to look at them. Then they have the dryers to go on top. I thought, well, I might as well get a dryer. I don't have a dryer, and I can get one maybe if they can put it on top. Then my girlfriend, her husband, is a cabinet maker. So she keeps asking me, you know, he can really do your kitchen cheap. And so I'm thinking, oh, my God, yeah, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. And you know what? I was a nervous wreck. Because I was thinking, oh, my God, when I'm 65, I'm going to be in debt because I'm gonna, cause I need a washer. You know, because I need a washer. And I, went, I had to meditate on this because I had to ask God, what is going on here? This is crazy. And then I came back to reality. Jerome, you do not need to remodel your kitchen. You do not need to get into $10,000 more into debt. And you only need a washer. So, and that's all I had for that day. I still haven't bought the washer, though, and this one's still working fine. But, you know, that's when I didn't do it, and I had to sit and meditate so that I could live a day at a time. Okay.